Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 96 and take just a few minutes to worship the Lord with an inspired psalm that He gave us for this very purpose. Psalm 96. We have a great God, and this is one of the ways He wants to be worshipped. He inspired the words. He approves of these words. And we get to lift up His praise with them. Let's all stand together. And reading in unison, we shall cover Psalm 96. Together. O sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless His name. Show forth His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the heathen. His wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Give unto the Lord O ye kindreds of the people, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before Him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established, that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice, and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar, and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful, and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice, Before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord, for Psalm 96. The first three verses describe our verbal duty and privilege, and that is to sing and to lift up the Lord and to show forth His salvation from day to day with our tongues and our speech. Verse 3 tells us that we ought to declare His glory among the heathen and His wonders among all people. We do not press our religion on those that are not seeking it because that is to cast our pearls before swine. But when we have an opportunity, we ought to be willing to lift up our voices and to declare His salvation, His glory and His greatness and to show forth His salvation from day to day. We should want to tell about His glory. We have answers to all their dilemmas. We know the cure for sin and death. We know the living God. We know the Creator of heaven and earth. And there are occasions where we should be able to speak a word in honor of Him among all people. Why is there so much to sing about and to declare and to show forth? Because verse 4 tells us, For the Lord is great. He is great, and He's greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. 
If they can talk about Allah, if they can talk about Vishnu, if they can talk about Rama, if they can talk about the Great Spirit, if they can talk about their ancestors, surely we can talk about the Lord God of Heaven. He's to be feared above all their gods. Because verse 5 tells us all the gods of the nations are idols. They're just blocks of wood or stone. But the Lord made the heavens. They have to make their gods. Our God made us. What a difference. And not only did He make us, that's rather insignificant. He made the heavens. Our Lord made the heavens. And we ought to be willing to speak of Him. This is what we trust in. We have the answers. We know the Creator of heaven and earth. They do not. And then it tells us a little bit more about Him. Honor and majesty are before Him. You have never seen honor. You may have said the words, yes, your honor, or no, your honor, in court before a black-robed judge. But you have never seen the judge of heaven and earth. Honor and majesty are before Him. He is surrounded by them. Ten thousand times ten thousand minister to Him, one of which this world could not contain if he was to be unleashed with fury against this world. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. When we go into the place where God is worshipped, there's strength there and there's beauty. What a great combination. I'm so glad our God is not just strong. He's also beautiful because he's perfect in all his ways, all his traits, all his characteristics. The nature of God is glorious and wonderful in its beauty, and there's all the strength there that you would ever need to impress your soul or to supply you in your time of trouble. So we're supposed to give him something. In verse 7, this great God that's our God, that we ought to declare among the people, we can give him something. Verse 7, give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people, give unto the Lord glory and strength. We can't add to His glory. You have none, and I have none, to actually transfer to Him and make Him more glorious than He is, because He's infinitely glorious in and of Himself. His name is, I am that I am. am, He does not say, I am what you make me. I am what you contribute to me. I am that I am. We give Him glory and strength when we speak of His glory and describe it and talk about it and lift it up and recognize it and remember it. We give Him glory. He has it all, but we see it. We recognize it. We consider it. And we repeat it back to Him for the benefit of others. So He gets glory from all of us together singing His praise and lifting up His glory and His strength as we talk about it. I know there were some conversations before this assembly began this morning where men were describing God's strength and His glory in helping them through this past week. And we give Him glory that way. So we want to open our lips and give Him glory. Verse 8 says, this is an offering that we can bring and come into His courts. We can come with verbal sacrifices of praise like we did last Sunday in our second assembly and like we did on Wednesday evening. We get to bring an offering. He doesn't want a bullock. He says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't want a little jug of your precious olive oil. He says, all the olive oil is mine. The silver and the gold is mine. But what can we bring that he doesn't have yet today? He doesn't have yet today your verbal praise 
your verbal praise for July 19th of the year 2009. It is something you can bring. It's a new song. It's a new psalm. And we want to sing it to them and give it to them. Right. You'll never have today again. That's it. Right. And our days are numbered. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom and worship. Wisdom, of course. The Bible says that one in Psalm 90. But we want to give Him our worship today. And verse 9 tells us to worship Him in the beauty of holiness. Because He is holy. And that's why we sang, More holiness give me, give us, that we might be more fit for His service. As we sang, Fear before Him all the earth. He is a holy God, and He does not put up with unholy conversation, unholy lifestyles, unholy actions. He is a holy God, and He will judge every infraction. Do you remember a blue fringe? Amen. What testament would you go to? What book would you go to? Numbers 15. It tells us about a man who picked up sticks on the Sabbath day and was stoned to death for it. And so God told Israel to put a little blue fringe on all their garments to remind themselves every day that they better live holy. Fear before him all the earth. We get to say things among the heathen. The Lord reigneth. And we ought to say it. There's a God in charge. When those around us are distraught, and the things coming out of our capital should cause distress to most anyone, except those who trust this expression. The Lord reigneth. There's a God in charge. Don't worry about those things. The Lord reigneth. He reigns over our physical bodies, so there is no malady, illness, or fear that a doctor can give us that he can't remedy. He can solve our family difficulties. He can solve our political difficulties, any financial troubles you have. The Lord reigneth. No one else is in charge. He's in charge. The devil's not in charge. The devil's his little puppet on a string. He has to ask permission to enter pigs. He falls at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and worships Him. This is our privilege to say among the heathen, The Lord reigneth. Let them live without hope. We are not to be as others which have no hope. We are to comfort one another with these words. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming to save us from death and the grave. The Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. This is the political world. The world has been established. It spins every 24 hours. It moves every 365 days. But there are political upheavals where the heavens and the earth are shaken and the sun stops shining and the moon stops giving its light. But there was a kingdom coming that was future to the psalmist in which would stand forever. And it's the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's at His first coming. And when He comes the second time, He will establish this world in righteousness for eternity. Right. Say among the heathen, That the world is going to be established, that it shall not be moved. It will not be moved politically, because this kingdom shall not be given to others, as every other kingdom before it has been. He shall judge the people righteously. Jesus Christ came and spoke with the tongue of the learned, and preached righteousness in the great congregation. 
at his first coming, and he's going to preach it again at his second coming, when all men are judged out of the books of their works before him. Let the heavens rejoice. Those that are usually turned upside down when political regimes are overthrown, let the heavens rejoice that there's stability coming. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice. The whole creation is going to get excited in this metaphor that we have here when the Lord Jesus Christ comes and reveals that you are His child and that He has adopted you and the only reason everything else existed was for Him to tell them about you. That is the truth. Go read Romans 8. Jerry, do you still like Romans 8? Or have you lost your love for it? Amen. I knew, I, I thought I'd get that answer. The whole creation is moving toward that event. Because the whole creation is groaning and travail and pain together until now. There is a burden of sin upon everything. It is decaying. It is dying. The whole universe is dying. Let's not run too far astray and get into the laws of thermodynamics and other scientific measures of the decay of the universe, but it's decaying. But that decay is going to be lifted into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. Romans chapter 8. Then the heavens are going to rejoice. The earth is going to be glad. Right now they're groaning. Oh, what a day it's going to be. What a day of difference it's going to be. He is going to burn up all those that fear not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Second Thessalonians chapter 1. But do you know what it says right there in the same sentence? When he comes to be admired by all them that believe. And it says in parentheses, because our gospel was believed when we preached it to you. Paul knew that those men were the elect of God. He says so, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. He knew they were God's elect because they had believed his gospel when he came and that they would be admiring the Lord Jesus Christ while the rest are going to be dreading him as he sets everything in order. Oh, it's going to be established in righteousness. Before the Lord... For he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. How can they print a 317 page edition of the New York Times and not have this warning in it? How can they print the Wall Street Journal and not have this warning in it? How can they have consumer reports that want to warn you that your dishwasher may not last 30 years, but they don't want to warn you about this? This is why we come into the house of God. We come into his sanctuary to be reminded of these things. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth, for he cometh. He cometh to judge the world. Paul stood with the wisest men on this planet that are still esteemed as wise men, at the Areopagus, Mars Hill, Athens, where all the philosophers gathered together to hear Paul speak some new thing. And do you know what he told them? He told them that God is coming to judge them in righteousness. And he's given assurance unto all men of this certain fact by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. That was his invitation. 
God doesn't dwell in your stinking Greek temples made with hands. God gives breath and life to all men, and He's made of one blood all men of nations to dwell on all the face of the earth. Acts 17, and He's coming to judge every man. And He now commands all men everywhere to repent. He may have winked at your ignorance in times past, but your ignorance He's no longer letting you get away with. Repent! Because He's coming to judge the world. And He's given a proof of the matter by raising Jesus from the dead and putting Him at His right hand. This is our gospel. But you need not fear that day. You can rejoice in that day. He is going to say that you are the children that God gave Him and show you to the whole universe. May the Lord cause us to open these things up and to show forth His salvation from day to day. And when we have occasion, to declare His wonders to the people. And to say among the heathen, the Lord reigneth. I don't know what you're afraid of, but there's a God in heaven that's in charge of all this. You can be afraid. I'm not. I'm going home, hugging my wife and going to bed. Because the Lord reigneth. The Lord reigneth. Amen. The Lord reigneth. Amen.